0: from the School of Broadcast and Cinematic Arts at Central Michigan University. Welcome to Depth of Field, a podcast highlighting the careers, experiences, and accomplishments of our Broadcast and Cinematic Arts graduates. I'm your host, Patty Williamson. Join me as I chat with media pros who reflect on their time at CMU, their lives and careers after graduation. Along the way, they'll share advice they have for anyone looking to work in a wide variety of media fields. And that's why we call it Depth of Field. Joining me today is Tori Gettle, a 2013 graduate from the School of Broadcast and Cinematic Arts. And Tori's now working as a first assistant editor out in LA. Tori, thanks for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: So you've been out in LA for how long now?
1: Uh, I moved out as as soon as I graduated, Um, like maybe two, three weeks after. So that's like eight years
0: now, I think. When you were in school, did you always plan on heading out to LA to work in film? Yes and no. Uh, When
1: I was a freshman in college, um, I can't remember what exactly was going on, but their whole film initiative, remember, where they were gonna like build some studios in Michigan and it fell flat. Um, My freshman year is when that like dropped and I was kind of banking on that um, because I wanted to stay in Michigan. And then I realized I had to make a decision where I was like, okay, I could choose either New York or LA, um, where there are more places you can choose, like Atlanta or Vancouver. Um, But those are the two that I just had in my head. And I knew um, I should try and, you know, try them out to see if I like them, because those are completely different places, completely different vibes, especially from Michigan. Um, So, yeah, that's what I did. I, uh, I entered in New York City one summer. And I ended up living like in Manhattan. Like I worked in time, like I worked with MTV. Um, Their offices were in Times Square, like literally in the middle of Times Square. And I was living about 10 blocks from there. So I was in the midst of the insaneness of New York. And um, I love New York, but I think that was a reason why I was like, I don't know if I want to live here. (laughs) So then when I was close to graduating, I was like, I want to try out LA. I want to see what is out here. And I applied for the Disney college program internship, where you basically work at Disneyland. They give you housing, they give you a job, you meet people. And I was debating on doing that. I'm um, sorry, this is like a long answer to that question. but Because um, my last semester, I was interning at um, that new station in Cadillac. Um, 9 and 10? Yes, yeah, 9 and 10, yeah. And I didn't want to do news, but they offered me a full-time position after I graduated. So it became down to when I graduated, I was like, do I want to stay in this full-time position um, in Ketelik's a beautiful city? Um, do I want to stay here and have an actual job? Or do I want to go to California and work at Disneyland where I have no idea what is going to happen? Like, I was a photographer there, like, it's... Um, And my sister was actually the one that kind of spurred me to go. She's like, well, they're holding you back here. You should just go to L.A. And I went and it just kind of worked from there. Um, And then when I got to L.A., I just I I felt more at home than in New York. So it kind of happened that way.
0: Does the lifestyle seem to be a little more suitable in L.A. compared to kind of the hustle and bustle, especially if you were living right off Times Square? I can imagine that was sort of chaos Uh, 24-7.
1: Yeah, it was a little obnoxious. (laughs) It was chaos 24-7. I mean, I think the main stereotype between LA and New York is that New York is just a lot, you know, yeah, like you said, it's a lot of uh, chaos where LA is kind of a little bit more laid back, but I think I just fell more in love with the state itself. I mean, we have the ocean, we have um, all these mountains and like national parks, and there's just a lot going on here. And I don't know, something about it just kind of drew me in. And I'm glad that this is where I ended up.
0: So you mentioned you did a couple internships while you were in school. When you first got to CMU and you decided to major in broadcast and cinematic arts, what were some of the activities you were involved in within the department?
1: Um, So I tried to be more involved in freshman year, um, but I was a very shy student at that point. Um, it wasn't until like sophomore or junior year where I became more involved with, um, mainly MHTV and, uh, Central Premier premiere productions, um, which I heard is not around anymore, sadly. Um, but those are the two I mainly stayed with. I also, you know, I tried to branch out. I knew that I wanted to go into editing, um, I kind of knew since high school. Um, but I also wanted to try different things to see, you know, maybe I was, I would be more into directing, who knows? So I, um, I even tried doing things with MHTV Sports, um, just if I like that. I tried with the news channel. Um, didn't like those. <laughs> I kept more leaning towards narrative storytelling, um, and that's what I spent a lot of my time focusing on. Was with
0: those groups. You mentioned that you were interested in editing from the time you were in high school. Did your high school have video production courses, or did you just sort of learn on your own? Uh, I both. Uh, we had
1: one video production course and it was kind of a class you took senior year to like an easy class you know (laughs) Um, to get the easy credits and the easy grade but um, I took it seriously I think I was one of the few that did Um, and my teacher was amazing and he actually um, helped convince me to go to Central Um, but before that I had I kind of discovered editing on my own. Um, that was kind of when YouTube was becoming a lot more prominent, and um, I got—I just fell in love with making my own nerdy videos. Like I would make my own like music videos to video games or movies. I make my own trailers, and um, when I look back, I still have that channel. It's, and I look back at it; it's so bad. But I mean, I was doing it a lot, um, and I just it just hit me one day where I was like, this is what I want to do.
0: Um, so yeah. I guess I should ask which high school did you go to? Rochester high school. So can we all find your old YouTube channel? Oh God,
1: (laughs) probably. (laughs) I don't remember the name of it. Um, but yeah, I'm sure if you, if you search like Tori Gettle, you'll find my old Beaver Vendetta movie trailer (laughs) with like really bad audio from something I ripped online. Um, <laughs> and it bonus was just,
0: content for this episode. Bonus
1: content, there you go. <laughs> oh gosh. And that was like when Iron Man came out, um, which sounds crazy because that was a long time ago. Um, so I had something with, you know, Avengers related. It was very nerdy, but it was a lot of fun. And that's just kind of what spurred me in this direction.
0: It's great though, because you are actually doing that for a living now. So it's yeah, which is crazy. Like I, you know, it's something you
1: always hope for, but you don't, you're like, I don't want to get too hyped up about it. Cause what if it doesn't happen? Um, I mentioned that I worked at Disneyland and uh I was there for, you know, half a year. And I just remember there at one point, um I was like working and they have in one of the parks they have this whole Cars land set up, you know, from the movie Cars, where it's like this whole desert mountain thing. And it's very pretty, actually, in the morning. And I was, sitting, I was standing out there with my camera before any guests were really coming in. And I just remember I had this whole talk of myself in my head for like 30 minutes. And I was like, I have to seriously accept within myself that I may not be, it might not work out for me. Like, I may not get a job out here. I mean, there's so many people that come out to LA and I know nobody. Um, and I was like, maybe I have to consider, you know, do, should I stay at Disneyland? And I was like... Do I stay like an entertainment route through the parks? And I, I had that talk with myself to accept it. And I did accept it, um, but luckily things didn't work out for me.
0: So how did you move on from being a photographer at Disney?
1: That is actually a crazy story. Um, so I moved out here January 2014, um, about in February. I got a call from my mom back in Michigan, and she happened to go outside and talk to our neighbor who we are on first aid basis with our neighbors, but we do not like see them that often. We just, you know, every couple of times a year we talk with them. She found out that my neighbor had just gotten married to a producer in LA and um, I got his contact information and I met with him a couple of times throughout the next couple of months. Um, we just had lunch. We were talking. Um, very sweet guy. And, you know, I'm still friends with him. Um, and yeah, at some point he had a, uh, a person at ABC f- for me to talk to, um, but they worked in finance. They were like in the executive finance portion of the company. And my friend knew that I want to do editing, but he was like, well, maybe this guy can help you. So I emailed this person at ABC, the finance executive. And I said, um, hi, I got your name from so-and-so from Paul Mason and, um, you know, I want to work in post-production, but um, I also just kind of want to learn about everything as a whole. So would you be willing to meet with me? And he was straight up like, no, that, like, that's okay. Like, you don't want to learn about finance. I know somebody at post-production. I'll get you connected with them. And so then, then I met the post-production executive at ABC and um, he helped me get my first job. And I got my first job as a PA, a post-PA on a ABC show. Um, And then from there, it just kept going. And uh, I was extremely fortunate that my mom went outside that day at that exact time. (laughs) And my neighbor happened to be married to a producer who, you know, it's just, it's crazy to think about because if, if that didn't happen, I have no idea if I would, you know, be here right now.
0: It seems like from talking to people doing this podcast, a lot of times it is sort of a quirky connection or just it almost seems like fate steps in somehow that people get to those meetings. I think everyone that I've talked to has had the talent to be able to move forward, but it's some sort of connection that they've needed to kind of get the foot in the door or taking a job that maybe wasn't exactly what they thought they were going to do and eventually working their way up to what they you know, had dreamed about doing at some point.
1: Right. I mean, everybody will tell you there's obviously a lot of luck involved, um, which is very true. Um, But also, you know, you kind of have to work for that luck as well. Yes, it was lucky that my mom was there that day and she got the contact information for me. But then I spent the next six months networking with this guy And um, focusing more on getting to know him. I wasn't trying to look for anything from him. I just wanted to, I mean, it was cool that I was like going to lunch in Hollywood with a producer who is like an old time Hollywood producer. And um, like he was talking about Cary Grant at some point. I was like, okay, that's cool. Like you worked with Cary Grant. But the thing is I I developed that connection and it's like you get lucky, but also you have to work for it as well. You
0: know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. You need to be able to, have the goods, right? Like, you need to be able yeah. to actually work hard and actually have the skills and the talent that's needed when an opportunity arises to show that you can actually do it.
1: Right. And the main thing, too, is just the drive for it. I mean, my first PA interview, um, I, w- I came in so prepared. I had my resume. I was like, I did this internship and this internship. And at one point, the guy, he like cut me off. He was like, Okay, I mean, like, I see that you've done all this stuff, but like, why do you want to do this? And at one point, he asked me, like, what shows do you watch? Which is a question I get a lot. It's just, people just want to know what you're watching and just have a conversation about it. And I had done my research about ABC beforehand, so I was like listing off ABC shows. And he was like, No, 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 let me cut you off again. Like, I don't want you don't have to say ABC shows. Just talk to me. And um, and I found out from the interview that he was just looking for someone who's just you know interested and you know wants to actually be in you know
0: post production. Um, so that's a lot of it too. So, what were you doing as a post PA? What is that job like?
1: Post PA is it's an office setting, so the editorial team. Um, so I worked with both on TV shows and movies, and it's generally the same thing. You're in an office with so many editors, so many assistant editors, and I base as a post PA, you basically assist the post coordinator and post supervisor, and they're just in charge of getting everything, you know ready for the editors. So, and if anything like visual effects needs to be done, if we need to schedule ADR, um, as a post PA, you may help with scheduling. You do the classic, you know, coffee runs, lunch runs. My main thing I took from it is I always asked to shadow um, the assistant editors. That was with any editors, but it was more beneficial for me to shadow the assistant editors and kind of get a feel for how their job works because it is a weird jump going from post PA Assistant editor, it's completely different workloads. But yeah, I mean, post PA, you just kind of you do runs and you, you have a lot of free time, so you can you know get to know the editors and assistant editors, and that I think that really helped me out.
0: How did you make that transition moving from the PA position into editing?
1: Uh it's a weird jump, and everyone out here will tell you it's a weird jump. So um, to become an assistant editor for narrative TV. Um, and films you have to join the union and to join the union you have to get about 100 days of non-union work which is a little like it doesn't make sense to me but um, basically so I would have to get 100 days working in things like reality tv or indie movies like very small budgets um, things like that Um, so that's kind of what I was doing it took me longer than I wanted but um, Cause it just depended on what was available at the time. And, you know, there's also the thing where people will be nervous to hire you because I had made these connections with union shows. So like with ABC and with Warner brothers and Disney, but I needed to go get assistant jobs in completely different sectors, like with reality, but with people who didn't know me. So, and they're like, well, you say you can do these things, but can you really? And It just, it it was a lot of, is someone willing to take a chance on you? But it ended up working out and I got my days and then I joined the union. And from there, I just, it was
0: kind of smooth sailing. What were some of the non-union projects that you worked on?
1: Um, So I did a indie movie out of someone's house. (laughs) They, I was like in their study. Um, It was he, the editor, And I was married to um, the director. So they were working together. Um, So they would usually be in the living room, you know, going over the shooting for the day. And I would be in their office, like, you know, doing what I needed to do. I did some work for a advertising company um, where they did kind of like some promos and sizzle reels and things like that. And then I, oh, the big one was I did a documentary. And that was where I got the majority of my days. And um, yes, documentaries are also non-union. So, and I did that with a friend was editing that, that had, was an assistant on an ABC show. So he went up to editor for this documentary and he hired me. Um, So I was very lucky with that as well.
0: So what was the first union job
1: that you got? Um, It was working on Holmes and Watson, which was that Will Ferrell movie a couple of years ago. It had about, I think it was a 6% on Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) It was not good, (laughs) let me tell you. (laughs) But I came on to it. That movie went on way longer than it should have because they kept doing rewrites. I was like the third editing team that came in after like the third rewrite. It still wasn't great. Um, So I was just on it for a couple months. And then from there, I went into, I did um, Birds of Prey, the Harley Quinn movie. And then then Space Jam. And I've just kind of moved up like intention-wise, um, because with film, it goes editor, first assistant, and second assistant. So right now I'm a first assistant, so my next position would be editor eventually, but I'm not even close to getting to that point right now.
0: If you have a project that's like Holmes and Watson that maybe is having problems during production, they're doing rewrites, how much can the editors impact the final project? Was it something that the editing team was trying to kind of beef up the narrative a little bit or try to bring it to life a little more.
1: Yeah. And that's actually the really cool part about editing to me is, um, I mean, you essentially like write the film three times, right? So like you write it when you're writing it, um, you kind of, when you're directing it, you're seeing a vision. So you're kind of writing it there and then editing, you're kind of rewriting it as well, because you are the final you know, say so. Um, And you like the things these editors I've seen editors do is like crazy. Like they're making scenes out of nothing. And ADR goes a long way. Um, I was working on before I was an assistant editor. um, I got a post PA gig on a movie, um, The Cloverfield Paradox. It wasn't originally supposed to be a Cloverfield movie, (laughs) but that one they had reworked a ton like that also wasn't doing great and they basically rearrange like half the story and that's part of why you know post-production takes so long is because you know there's so many things you can do with the story and editing and you know there's usually directors who just want to try it all um right now I'm working on a comedy and with comedies you know you have all these alt takes of different jokes and so you know you'll run into directors who want to try every single one in the cut. Um, so, you know, it's just, it depends on each movie, but there's always a lot of reworking.
0: Are you allowed to say which movie you're working on or is that secret?
1: (laughs) No, I can say, um, well, it's still currently untitled, but, um, it's coming out this summer and it's the director. She was a writer on, um, crazy rich Asians and Raya. And it's just, it's like, a. It's it's like The Hangover meets Crazy Rich Asians meets... I can't think of the third one, but um, it's going to be really funny. It's hilarious. It's very raunchy, too. Um, but it's four... It centers around four Asian women, which is great. And they're all new actors. And, you know, they have the such great chemistry. And uh, I'm excited for it to come out. This is the <laughs> first movie in a while that I've been, like, really excited for it to come out. So, yeah.
0: This might be slightly off topic. And I don't know how much you can talk about this either, but have you been working a lot with women directors and women of color since you've been out in LA? Is it still a pretty white male dominated industry? Do you see changes happening? What's been your experience?
1: Um, I've seen a mix. It's still very dominantly male, um, but I know I, everyone I've worked with so far has tried to be more inclusive and trying to bring more females and giving them a chance. But um, I mean, I, I, I've worked with a lot of female editors, too, and that's been great. Um, my current team I love because we're a full female editing team, um, which we weren't before. So um, director's female, the editor's female. Um, I was originally on this movie as a second assistant editor and the first assistant was a male. He was fired. So I took his position. Um, And then I had the choice to, and I had to hire a new PA because our previous PA moved up to second assistant. And, you know, I was opening, I was open to like interviewing everyone, but I was kind of hoping for a female because I really wanted a full female team because you don't hear about that ever like all male teams. Yeah. You hear about that all the time, but all female. No. So I, so we did end up hiring another female. So we're all ladies working in editorial and it's amazing. Um, And our director is very excited about it. (laughs) Like she took photos of of us in the editing room and she was like, look, you guys, it's great. Like this never happened. So um, yeah, it's a really cool thing to be a part of.
0: That's very cool. What is that relationship like between the editing team and the director? What is that dynamic? Does the director sort of set the tone and make it clear where they want the narrative to go? Uh, Is it collaborative? How does that tend to work? That also
1: varies. Our director right now, she's very hands-on. Usually during the day, the director will sit in with the editor for you know however long, and be going through the cut. It's it's more of a collaboration. Sometimes you know producers will come in and kind of take over. I've seen that when I worked on a movie where it was like a first time director and the producers kind of swooped in and kind of took over the project from him. So it just varies. But um, our current director, she's very, she's a very strong person. So um, this is actually a first time directing gig for her because she's usually a writer and she will not back down. And it's great to see because, you know, it's easy to fold when there's, four producers coming at you with different ideas, but she has the vision and she shares that with the editor. So, you know, it's collaboration between them.
0: What was it like working on such a high profile project as Birds of Prey?
1: That one was a lot of fun. Um, it was just crazy. Like it's something that I never thought I would be a part of, you know, and that's still, that's still one of my favorite teams to work with. We had, um, a building on the Warner brothers lot. There was all the whole editorial team. There was visual effects with us. There was a sound. No, the sound team wasn't with us. The music team was with us. So we had this whole floor of all of us and it was just a lot of fun. Um, and it was cool kind of being a part of, cause at that point I not worked on any action movies and, uh, the first run through the first, you know, shoot of birds of prey, the action scenes were not great. Um, so during reshoots, they brought in, um, I'm blanking on his name right now, but he directed, um, John wick three. Um, so he knows <laughs> action scenes and I don't know if you saw it, but they had some really cool action scenes in birds of prey with, uh, her in the jail cell and completely kicking ass and, I don't know, action scene, like that was just really cool to be a part of because that's something I had yet to work with and seeing it's such a, you know, high profile production. Um, we went to set one day to go see it and that was really cool. It's just, you know, it, it's something that I, I still can't believe, you know, I get a chance to work on, you
0: know. That was going to be one of my questions too, is how much access do you have to the actual production process? Is the editing going on during production or is it all literally post? I hear different stories about how that works on different projects.
1: Um, Every single time we, our first day is usually the first day of production. Um, And so starting our second day is when we start getting the daily footage and we just go from there. It also depends on, you know, if they're shooting like with birds of prey, they shot in LA I was working on the Warner Brothers studio a lot. They had some of it, you know, in a stage on the lot. Um, we could go over there whenever we wanted to, um, which was really cool. Uh, sometimes they would be on location and we didn't, I mean, we didn't need to go to it. We could if we wanted to, but, you know, we're busy working. Um, my current project, they shot in Vancouver. And even though the movie, you know, is set in China, you know, for realism's sake, you know, (laughs) post-production goes a long way with visual effects there. But uh, so that I, you know, we didn't obviously see any production, but it just depends, you know, if they're close by, if, you know, if they're not like you can just walk to it. But yeah.
0: So if I have students in my classes who are listening now to your story, what would be your advice to them if they want to do the same thing you're doing? What should they be doing now to prepare for that kind of career?
1: Just get involved, honestly. I mean, I feel like from day one working, I mean, when you go to BCA, We were told, you know, you're going to learn in your classes, but you learn more hands-on. So you should join all these co-curriculars, which is great about Central, is that they were like, you should, (laughs) here's all of them. You should join one at least. And that is where I got a lot of my experience from. And just, you know, trying out different things and, you know, working with other people is also great because you get to see everyone's ideas come together or not come together because our ideas weren't always the best. Um, The biggest thing I wish I would have done... Um, in college is that I kind of got lost into making as many because I was mainly involved with essential premiere productions and I was focused mainly on making as many like short films as I could and I wish I had just focused on quality over quantity because when I graduated there wasn't really anything I mean I had a lot to show off if anyone asked but there was nothing I was like too proud to show you know um, so I wish I had spent more time on actually creating something that I was very proud of, you know, but yeah, I mean, just get involved as much as you can learn what you can. And, you know, you may even when you're, as you're doing this, you might end up going for something else. You never know.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned central premier productions. And although that group doesn't exist anymore, we do have film society, which used to just run the film festival, but now they've, it's sort of broken off into two groups. So film society is now, the co-curricular that focuses on short film production, and then we have the separate group that actually I advise that runs the film festival that we do every year. So there is Mm -hmm. still a group that does that uh, outside of MHTV, which also does TV production, which it's a fine line between what the difference is. So they tend to work kind of together on projects, but there is still that sort of group available for students.
1: That's good to know. I heard Central Premiere was gone and I was so sad, but I'm glad to know that there's still, you know, some group that's making film because that was a lot of fun. And we did um, the biggest thing that like got me into that group, too, was the 48 hour film competitions we used to always do. And those are crazy, but there's so much fun and incredibly tiring. But I don't know, like me as a 30 year old would not be able to handle 48 hours of filmmaking. But back then it was a lot of fun. And yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's cool. That's cool.
0: Is there specific software that people should be working on? Is there equipment that they should know as they get out of school?
1: So every show I've been on has worked in Avid. Um, So at Central, we learned, well, we started with Final Cut. And then when they came out with Final Cut 10, we switched to Premiere. Uh, Premiere is also very good to know. Um, Nobody really uses Final Cut um more well not i'm speaking more on the union side of things um with the higher productions um there are still some people with smaller productions use final cut but the main two the first one is avid second one is premiere and then it's always good to know things like after effects even just um just a little bit i mean sometimes i have to make some temp visual effects in either in avid or in after effects Maybe I have to KO out a green screen. Maybe I have to get rid of like a boom mic in the shot. Um, maybe I have to do a split screen. So it's good to know. I will tell you, I got some really good advice a couple of years ago when I was networking. This person told me to kind of pick something and become really, really good at it. So hers was color correcting. Mine has been sound mixing um, is what I've been very good at. So that's also a good thing to know. It's just kind of like you know, if you if you're interested in visual effects, like you know, learn more about that. If you're interested in color correcting, kind of you know, teach yourself or do what you need to do to learn more about
0: it. You mentioned that when you were just getting out of school, we had the film incentives in Michigan, and then they went away. Uh, and there's actually it just happens that there's legislation right now in Michigan to perhaps bring that back.
1: Mm-hmm, That's cool. Do I didn't you know think that.
0: that's something that would benefit Michigan as a whole. I'm just curious from your perspective being out in LA now, is there a chance for Michigan to bring production back to the state?
1: I think so. I mean, I hope they actually go through with that. I didn't know that was being in talks again. Um, for one thing, I mean, think of how many jobs that would give people. And I'm, I'm also thinking more of what Michigan looks like because Michigan is also very, very pretty. There's some great locations to shoot there. So I'm thinking more on that aspect as well. But um, I think that's a great idea and that'd be perfect if anyone, you know, if that did go through and if anyone wanted to stay in Michigan to, you know, um, yeah, I hope, I hope that happens.
0: What have been your proudest moments so far during your career?
1: Um, I think recently I mentioned before that the first assistant on my current gig, he was fired and uh, I was kind of already taking over his job before that. Um, but he was fired right before we were doing a preview screening. So basically, um, during post-production, there'll be a couple of times where you take your movie to a theater like AMC and they have, you know, people come in to fill the theater and watch it and then give feedback, um, and, and do like a focus group after. Um, and it's just, there's a lot to go into it. And he got fired about a week before a preview. So I moved up into this new position During that week, everything was kind of falling apart, but somehow it all worked out and got like no sleep, but it was very rewarding afterwards because it was like, uh, yeah, I can do this. Like I was just kind of thrust into you know, insane hecticness on my first assistant position, but, um, yeah, we came out of it and, you know, we had a very good preview and, um, people seemed to be like in the movie and it just, you know, it was just all overall a good experience. So what's next
0: for you in your career?
1: Um, so I'm on this gig until May or June. From there, I have no idea yet. You usually don't find out about the next gig until like the week or two before it happens. Um, but I do know that my current editor, she is interested in bringing me along with her. And um, and I'm excited because she, she worked on Insecure. She actually won an Emmy for Insecure. And um, she's an amazing comedy editor. And um, I hope you know, that afterwards that I do continue with her. So I'm hoping for that. Um, I don't know if that would be on a movie or TV because she does both. But that's usually how it works is that you, once you're first, you kind of have an editor that you kind of stick with for a while. Sometimes people bounce around, but usually it's like you have a specific editor and you guys are a team and you'll kind of do a couple shows together. So we'll see. I don't know, I'm excited.
0: Tori, thanks so much for joining me today and taking time out of your busy schedule. It was great to talk to you. Yeah, it was great talking to
1: you. Thank you for having me on here. I really appreciate it.
0: That's another episode of Depth of Field, a production of the School of Broadcast and Cinematic Arts at Central Michigan University. Thanks to my engineer, Michael Pawarski, and my producer, Allison Biss. I'm Patty Williamson. Thanks for joining us.